Welcome to the Radical Departures podcast, your source for startup storytelling. We're your hosts, Abby and Chris. You'll hear informative discussions full of valuable expertise and actionable insight on the issues you face when launching and growing your startup. This is episode 23 of the Radical Departures podcast. Our guest today is Adrien Menilo, founder of UTIP. Adrien created his startup with the goal of making it simpler and faster to support your favorite internet content creators. In this episode, Adrien discusses how the online advertising landscape has drastically changed and what that means for content creators. He tells us all about the origins of UTIP and how he's working to get more and more advertisers on board. So without further ado, here's episode 23 with Adrien Menilo. Hi, I'm Adrien Menilo. I am the founder and CEO of uh, UTIP. UTIP is a company that provides the right tools to internet content creators in order to make sure their creation is uh, appropriately rewarded. In order to make sure that their um, content creation activity is appropriately rewarded by the, their community of followers. So, Adrian, maybe before we talk a little bit more about UTIP, you could give us an idea. What's your background? Where, how did you get here from where you came before? Did you always work in this market? or Actually, really not, because I kind of stumbled around a lot of different activities since I got out of school, which was EM Lyon. It's a classic French grande école. I did a little trading financial markets and I created my first startup just out of school after the first experience in trading. It didn't work out but I earned a lot. Then I got back to the usual consulting a little for financial institutions. Then I got into a bank in um, something which is kind of specific to French banks which is uh, Inspection Générale, it's uh, Internal Audit Plus. And I got back to strategy consulting and then I had the idea for UTIP for a long time. And during the summer of 2016, I kind of felt I had to try it out. And uh, actually, I had a, a personal event, which was the birth of my first child, which uh, triggered me to take some time off. And I learned to code during this time off. So I, I was able to code the, the first uh, proof of concept for UTIP, just to see if it could work, to let people decide when they want to actually reward creation and how. So the numbers quite kind of worked out. So this was a really good sign. I began talking to Stan, who is the current CTO of uh, UTIP, and uh, we decided uh, it was time to go. Stan left his job and it was... Uh, April of last year, and uh, we went full-time. Do you think that any of those experiences you had, whether it was trading, whether it was working as a consultant, did any of those, were you able to pull out pieces that you liked and then have been able to apply it to what you're doing now? 
A little bit, because uh, when I was in financial institutions, we talked about payment a lot, about micropayments. And uh, in one way, you could see UTIP as uh, an aggregator for micropayment means. We just apply them to something, and uh, this something is uh, you have to reward creation. But actually, I one of the big parts of uh, UTIP, maybe we'll talk about it later, is um, advertising. And I had never any contact with advertising except for uh, my first startup. And the concept was you come on the website, you accept to watch a 30-second ad and uh, to the benefit of a charity. And the advertiser will give one euro to the charity. It was my first and only contact with uh, the advertising world. If you put together this contact to the advertising world, and then the kind of micropayment, constant chat between consulting and financial institutions, you can kind of bundle UTIP out of that. And what about the whole world of creators? Is it an area that you worked in yourself or you had some association with it? I have had a lot of exposure to it because I was always interested in it, interested in more of a consulting kind of way, which was uh, to see what was going on, what was the economics of this system. But I never published anything. I never, I used Wattpad for a while, which is one of the reasons I am kind of the only person to know what bad <laughs> when I talk about it to investors and uh, but it's actually a big platform for uh, writing community writing uh, it's coming from Asia and currently I think they, they raised a lot of money recently in order to come to the west I never was a creator myself but I was always interested I really dug into it since the beginning of UTIP because uh, first the initial thing with I saw was there are a lot of people creating things on the internet, really a lot. And more and more of them kind of getting really good at it. They have a huge community, a lot of followers, but they don't get any money. Not just, not a lot of money, they, most of them don't get any. You have some big content creators who get uh, kind of 90 or 95% of the money, but... Uh, there was a problem with the economic equation of internet content creation. And the second thing that shocked me enough to get me to want to create UTIP was um, to see the evolution of online advertising. It's too much. Especially as content creators, we have the issue of Facebook and Google take almost all the money in the market. 93%. And what they give back is just uh, so little. And then, of course, more recently, there's been Patreon, which I think it's a, something similar where you have a couple people that do really well and most mm. people do quite poorly. So I think for a lot of content creators, there is frustration. And so that's where UTIP comes in. Yes, that's where we come in because Patreon actually tries to address the same problem as we are, which is you have a lot of people creating interesting content on the internet and they have to be rewarded for it, because if you don't reward content creation, it's just going to disappear. So if you want uh, to make the internet you love sustainable, you have to understand that you have to get involved and financially get involved. 
But Patreon focuses on people who can pay. And not everybody can pay or is willing to pay on the internet, especially when it's voluntary. Because in order to get to a Netflix series, uh, you have to pay Netflix before you watch the content. That's something independent content creators cannot do. So they go on Patreon and it becomes voluntary to pay them. What we understood at UTIP is that in order for the economic equation to work better for more of the, a better part of the creative community is that everybody who wants to do something to support and reward a content creator should be able to do something. Not only those who are willing to pay or those who want to pay, who can pay. And so I, we thought about it and we said, what is the biggest chunk of money available on the internet that can be used to reward content creation? And it's advertising. Advertising has always rewarded content creation. It has done it on TV, it has done it in the newspapers. And when the digital media rose up, advertising came naturally to the digital media to monetize the, the, the content creation. But the big problem was that until now, it has been done exactly the same way it was done in the physical world on TV. And the digital media is exactly the opposite of TV. On TV, you had captive audience, And on the internet, the audience is sporadic, is really, it's free. Everybody can move from one website to another website, one website being in the US, one website being in Korea for the Olympics or and one other in France. It's effortless. You can switch websites in a matter of seconds. So nobody is captive anymore. So that's how advertisers began the war for attention. Because if they want to get value from you, which they got on TV because you, you were just in front of your screen, on the newspaper because you were reading the article, they had to get your attention. And that's what Facebook and Google understood before everybody else. If you get the attention of a lot of people, you will be able afterwards to get monetization from advertisers because all they want is attention. Yeah, that's what happened with Facebook. And they used the main way to get the attention of people online, which was social interaction, interactions, right? But advertising came to Facebook and to Google like they came to TV, which was, you are doing something and we are going to put our ads around what you are doing or just before, but again, That's the way you do it when you have a captive audience. You can't do it on the internet. And that's something they, they are beginning to understand because advertising has become less and less useful for them, less and less rewarding for the brands. So they put out more and more different formats, more and more ads. And currently you can go on some websites and you will have three lines of text and three or four banners around it. So this shows that this way of doing things, this paradigm doesn't work on the internet. You have to get the attention of people first. So what we understood at UTIP was you have to give people a good reason to accept to watch your ad. And this reason will be, okay, if you watch my ad, I will give five cents to your favorite internet content creator. So 
I'm giving you back the control. And that's the whole point of UTIP is issuing good tools that gives you the ability as a creator to give the control to your community on the, re the rewarding of what you do. They can decide to pay. They can decide not to. But they can also decide just to give you 30 seconds of their time that will give you five cents. And when you give back the control to people on the internet and you give them a good reason to do something, which is you love my content. So if you want me to be able to produce more, to produce something which will be higher quality, please take a few minutes of your time. If you have a few euros, please make me a small payment. If you can't, please just spend 30 seconds watching an ad. And these kinds of solve the problems of internet content creators because they need to get their activity rewarded. Nobody wants to work for free, right? And content creation, it's work. It's better for the, in, for the community of the creators because they have the control on everything. And they have now a way to give very easily just by watching an ad when they want, if they want, how much they want. And it's also better for the advertisers because now they have the, the attention of somebody. They have the full focus from, they have the full from somebody. Focus. You, you're looking at that ad and it takes up a good chunk of your screen. You, yeah, it's, you've got their full attention. Yes, because uh, it's a deal, right? So it has to be right for you who want to give some money to somebody without actually giving money just by giving your time. It has to be good for the creator who will get some money, but it has to be fair to the advertiser also because it's not easy for them to invest in this way of displaying ads because it's kind of the opposite of what they have been doing on the internet for It's a leap years. of faith. For their, from their perspective, it's something completely new they have yeah. to try. So I'm guessing that you're seeing the advertisers are sort of maybe slowly testing the water, seeing how this works, uh, getting a better feel for things. We would want them to begin by trying. Actually, it doesn't work like that. It's one of the biggest challenges we have right now and we have had until now, which is the advertising, the online advertising industry. It's really a, it's a closed market. You don't have a lot of actors because between the brands and the publishers, let's put all the creators in the publisher side. Between the brands and the publishers, you have big agencies who give advice on what you should do on the internet if you want to communicate. And there are not a lot of these agencies. Actually, there are the big five, just like in, in audit. Counting, yeah. In yeah. audit, you have a big, <laughs> a big four. In advertising, it's a big five. They are kind of stuck in, in a circle where everybody has to move at the same time or nobody will move because the agency is afraid to not be pertinent or to be too disruptive for the advertiser. And the advertiser will tell you, yes, but my agency is not quite uh, up to speed with your new format uh, right now. So you have to be able to see the brand and the agency at the same time and convince both of them that the other one <laughs> will be willing to work with us. And then afterwards, you will maybe have a test <laughs> and you, you hope the test will be good. Actually, the, the tests that we have made until now have been really kind of great because they measure 
the way you engage with the, the ad. And it's really, really better when you display your ads on YouTube because you are displaying your ad to somebody who willingly accepted to talk with you for 30 seconds. And this has a huge value because if you are a brand, let's say you are a startup and you are coming in a market, so nobody knows you. So you have to tell, hey, I'm this startup, I'm doing this, this is why I'm doing this, and this is why it's good for you. In less than 30 seconds, it's really hard. And nobody is able on the internet to display 30 second ads anymore. Nobody. Not Facebook, not Google, not yeah. anybody. They will kind of bury this, this in the way they count the viewed videos. Actually, for Facebook, a viewed video, it's three seconds. So if you are a brand, you are really happy. You have made a 30-second ad to kind of explain who you are and what you are doing here. And uh, after three seconds, Facebook will tell you, okay, it has been viewed. Let's pay. But this is hard for brands to engage into because Facebook has the numbers. They will be able to show your ad to millions of people with a really, really kind of freaky targeting. Facebook knows if you are going to change jobs soon. Facebook is selling this level of knowledge about you. And at UTIP, we are, going, we are doing the exact opposite. We are not stealing any personal information and we are not disclosing it to the advertisers. And we are actually telling them, you know what? In the old days of advertising, when you wanted to sell a good car, you would buy some ad space in a car magazine. It was context. And why did you forget that? Because uh, the internet has built itself around data, data that has been mainly stolen because nobody agreed <laughs> to give data, especially if people knew how much it's worth. It's an incredibly huge market data on the internet yeah. because it supports all the advertising. By using the data, a lot of smart people said, oh, great. I will be able to show my ads to only the people that will be interesting to me. And that's when it stops. Because you actually don't know the people who are interesting to you. Maybe you should keep communicating in the right context and let people decide if they are interested in you or not. That's what we are doing at UTIP. It's contextualized because you know which kind of content creator your ad will be displayed on. You know what the guy or the girl does. If she talks about cars, great. A car ad, it will be pertinent. But you don't know who will be watching. And it's okay because maybe in your marketing segmentation, you would have selected just men from 25 to 45 to sell the new, I don't know, Audi. Men who are upper middle class, urban, and who want to change cars, because they know that. If you go on an online uh, comparison site, it will be added to your profile, and Facebook will say, okay, he wants to change cars, and this will be sold to advertisers. So if you display your ad on uh, just this segment, okay, it will be quite impactful. But maybe on UTIP, a woman who is 55, will be interested in the new Audi. And you wouldn't have shown your ad to her if you had done just 
big data and, yeah. uh, and marketing <clears throat> segmentation and so on and so on. Do you find any particular sectors of advertising or you talked about automobiles or any other sectors are more interested in trying something new? It's actually about, it's more about competition because you have some brands who are really challenged by newcomers and mm -hmm. new startups, especially on young people. And as it turns out, a lot of young people are watching, uh, using YouTube because they have, they, uh, follow a lot of internet content creators, so afterwards I come on YouTube. So it's more about uh, I'm having difficulties talking to young people on the internet and uh, I'm getting challenged by a lot of newcomers and I want to explain to young people that uh, I still have things for them and uh, that's when YouTube is uh, useful. The main challenge for us right now is to create a sense of urgency for advertisers and agencies to understand that they have to invest and to redirect some budgets to medias that actually respect the internet users. And everybody knows that whatever happens, 80 or 90% of the budgets are going to go to Facebook or to Google because Facebook and Google are going to make sure they pivot They do everything, they explain, they, in order to keep getting 80 to 90% of the budget. What we want to create a sense of urgency for is to make advertisers and agencies understand that in the coming years, data will not be so, so easily available anymore. Because you see ad blockers, uh, yeah. you see a lot of people kind of trying to protect their privacy, They use VPNs. Right. Even a lot of governments are starting to yeah. say, hey, okay, this data is being abused. We need yeah. to set up uh, rules about data. Exactly. So the, the feast on data is going to stop at some point. And there will be, uh, it's important for them to invest in ways to communicate without using stolen privacy data. And that's UTIP, and we are not alone in this uh, space. You have quite two or three other startups who rely on the same principle, which is please just let people come to your ad and watch it for good reason. You, I'm thinking about, for instance, Good Deed. It's an, an app in France where you can watch an ad to the benefit of a, a non-profit. They have to acknowledge us and to begin investing in this way of communicating. Because in the future to come, it will be the only way. So now there is an urgency to begin investing in this and to show that they care. Because until now, they didn't have an alternative to invasive advertising. And I can tell you that myself, I'm talking with a lot of agencies and uh, creative people and uh, advertisers currently, and nobody is happy with this. Nobody wants to do intrusive advertising, but they were looking for sustainable, credible alternative. And uh, it's emerging now with us, with Good Deed, with uh, a lot of other actors. So they have to acknowledge us and begin investing in this. Where do you think the pressure is coming for this new type of advertising that's perhaps more ethical? Where do you think the pressure is? Is it coming 
more from content organizations? Is it from advertisers? Is it sort of a bunch of pieces coming together at once from all, like who's pushing it? Who's driving it? This change, this interest in ethical advertising. When you look at the market penetration of ad blockers, it kind of comes from the internet users. You have in the US right now, 66% of the millennials who are using an ad block on the internet. They don't see any ads anymore. So if you are a brand, you can't communicate with them anymore. They don't want to talk to you because of what has been done in the past. And uh, it's coming on mobile already also. So in the current system, nobody is happy. The internet users are not happy. The publishers are not happy because they are not getting a lot of money because advertising is getting cheaper and cheaper because it's less and less efficient. The brands are not happy because they don't know anymore where are my ads displayed? Is it visible? Am I going to pay for three seconds for my 30 second ad? So it's kind of nobody's happy and everybody's looking for a solution that would be good for everyone. It kind of comes from the internet users at first, but everybody wants this way of doing advertising on the internet to change. Now, you touched upon this earlier, but what has been your biggest obstacle so far? I mean, change is always difficult because nobody, most people hate change. What have been some of your bigger obstacles so far? I think the biggest obstacle is kind of trying to be heard in this system where you have the advertisers and the agencies and the publishers and everybody is caught in kind of a dance and and you have to be heard by saying, hey, stop, please just stop for one second and look at what's going on. The solution was actually to adapt to what we were saying, to who we were talking to and to really emphasize to, for instance, the agencies that they want to be able to give good advice. And good advice right now is getting advertisers a way out of this destructive way of communicating on the internet. And when we are talking to the advertisers, we are telling them that, okay, we have a way out. If you want to just complete your investments, just try it out. Try a new way to talking to people. It's not cheaper because it's better and it's respectful of creation. So it has to yield quite a minimum for the 30 seconds you got from an internet user who wants to give a few cents to an internet creator. So first of all, we learned the vocabulary of this space. And then we adapted what we were saying to create the sense of urgency in every actor we met with. It was really, really long because the learning curve was uh, really difficult. Currently, it's if you want to change the way advertising is done online and to make it more interesting to internet content creators, to internet users, and even for advertisers, you have to be willing to get punched in the face <laughs> all day, all day long, and to keep smiling. Across every industry, people hate change, especially once people get into a comfort zone of this is how it is, they hate change. Yes, yes, it's never easy to change. It's never easy to say that, but we are able to smooth it out by saying, okay, you didn't have an alternative until recently. We are not the first to implement this paradigm in 
advertising and to say, okay, you have to let people come to your ads because people are free on the internet. So you have to let them use their freedom to choose to watch your ad. We are not the first to say that. But I think in France, we are kind of the first to make it systemic and to use it to actually reward independent content creators. And there are a lot of them. They are getting more and more professional every day. There is a lot of great content created every day by people who are alone at home or finding associates to be two or three and to create a great YouTube channel with uh, journalism and so on and so on. So we had to find a way for them to, that is systematic, to get funding, reward for their activity. And good advertising done that way was the right answer, combined to payment, which is has already a lot of, it's really efficient payment because it's recur recurring, but everybody can watch an ad. So you add the two and you get great funding for great creation. So where do you go from here? We have to get a lot of advertising budgets because we have right now kind of a lot of creators we would want to accept on our platform and to give them a tip link, which is the page we give you to that you can tell everybody to go on to support you by paying or accepting to watch an ad. Actually, the number of creators, French creators who want to join currently are in the thousands. So we are really sorry not to be able right now to accept them because we don't have enough ads for everybody. So we want to get a lot of advertising budgets that will be redirected through our platform to internet content creators in France. And then when in France we, are, we see good trends in terms of ad budgets and so on and so on, we will go international uh, really fast because there are no boundaries in the internet. And we already did some tests with people overseas. It's really, it's, it's looking, the numbers are looking really interesting because the fact of tipping somebody for an activity is much more in the culture overseas and uh, in Anglo-Saxon countries. So there has been a lot of traction there. So yeah, we want to get overseas and in Europe as well. So Adrian, I'm going to ask Abby's question. How do you define success? I mean, you have to be able to get out from bed in the morning saying, great, I'm doing something I love, whatever it is. For me, that's the only metric of success. I was miserable as a consultant because I was not happy. Now I am getting out of bed in the morning saying, okay, I'm not only creating something, which is what I wanted to do, create a, a great company, a worldwide company, but I'm also, while creating a worldwide a company that I want to be worldwide, we are also addressing a problem that needed to be addressed and our solution is good for society. By combining the two, I'm really happy of what we are doing every day. And uh, to me, that's a success. It's every day. When you get to this feeling, you are already successful. The rest is, uh, I have to finish what I started. I have to crack this problem. But to me, it's already a success to be able to talk to you about this and to do this all the day, to talk to internet content creators every day and to find new ways to help them. And uh, sure, it's, it's hard, but if it's hard and it's also great, it, it doesn't hurt. So yeah, that's success for me. Excellent. Thank you very much, Adrian. 
Thank you. That wraps up another episode of the Radical Departures podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and join us next time on Radical Departures.